0: Are you still waiting to see if you'll get into the nursing program at the community college? Don't wait. You can work side by side with doctors and nurses as a surgical technician. Brookline College in Tucson can prepare you for a surgical technician career in less than two years. You'll play an important role assisting surgeons as they perform procedures. Join the healthcare team sooner as a surge tech. Start now online and come to campus later for labs. Contact brooklinecollege.edu.
1: It's time to get moving, Toledo. Sponsored by 3D Wellness, here's your host, Jim Poole. Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of Get Moving Toledo. I'm your host, Jim Poole. I hope everybody had a great week. Um, Interesting week. We actually saw rain for the first time in what seemed like uh, two years, but uh, it was nice to kind of cool things down a little bit and hope everybody's out there being active and staying healthy. And obviously, some more mandates came down and now masks have become mandatory uh, no matter where you're at. Uh, It was funny, I was in Wood County earlier this morning and somebody i was in a conversation with somebody like oh i'm so happy that the mandate is down for where they moved the level from red or level three down to level two uh for wood county and and somebody else in the office laughed and it's like it doesn't matter there's a mandate for the entire for the entire state and they're like oh that's right i forgot so they were excited for about three seconds and then they realized that we still have to wear the mask so um but like i said you know we got a little bit of reprieve from the weather um yes the mask is You know, it's not necessarily convenient for a lot of people, but it is what it is and we have to do it. I hope everybody's being safe and staying healthy. Um, And again, being active. uh, That's what we're all about here on the show. And, um, you know, with summertime and with being outdoors and with being, you know, hopefully socially distanced, but with friends and family and at picnics or in the backyard or whatever you might be doing out in uh, in the parks, running, walking, hiking, um, you know, comes probably an increased risk for, accidents and injuries and and bad things that can happen if you're not smart. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity to bring today's guest on. Uh, Nicole Nepper is on with us today. Nicole, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And Nicole, your title, I laughed about this before we went on the air, but it's the Trauma and Burn Education Outreach Prevention Coordinator at Mercy. So like I said, I almost had to take a deep breath just to say the title, but um, it explains itself a little bit. But tell us you know, what you do in the community and how you educate and help keep people safe.
0: Yeah, so thank you for having me. Um, Mercy Health St. Vincent's is a level one trauma center um, for adults and a level two trauma center center for kids. So um, what that means is that we, you know, we can take care of critically um, ill or injured patients and help them to um, recover and get back into be functioning members of the community. And part of the being a trauma center you need someone dedicated to injury prevention. So that is my, my role. Um, accidental trauma is the number one cause of death for ages one to 44. So it is actually, um, you know, a huge health problem. And, and um, we wanna just remind people, a lot of times they're just simple steps that we need to take to keep safe, to, um, to prevent a tragic injury from happening to you and take you out of what you were able to do before um, and possibly die. So we want to make sure that people are taking precautions when it comes to being active and doing things.
1: Okay, and as, as I was asking, we were talking a little bit about before uh, we came on the air, uh, I'm assuming that summer months you're out kind of in, in larger groups. I mean, obviously right now it's a little different time in our world um, with social distancing and not being in larger groups, but you're still outside and you're more active because of a change in, in the season and it's summer out and you can you can be outside around here. Um, I'm assuming that increases the risk for or what you guys see it's a it's your as your busy season is that correct
0: absolutely so on a normal year we usually see start seeing an increase in may when the weather gets nice more people are out and about doing different things this year we have also seen an increase and in, um, the injuries too that we're seeing people are trying new things you know trying more people are out biking more people are out running or hiking and things like that so we're seeing an increase in those those types of injuries so, so that's uh, for me um, it's really important for me to get out and be teaching these things and it's been a struggle since we aren't allowed to be out in the community as much so there has been a, um, it's been difficult that way
1: so so let's talk about that two things um, one that happened this week and one that happened a couple weeks ago now um, this week Kelly my wife and I were in a, a couple pool stores looking for for something for the pool and the shelves are bare. The shelves look like you're walking down the paper towel roll in the grocery store right now. Um, they, people are just in buying whatever they can get their hands on, whether it's noodles or goggles or volleyball nets or w- whatever to, to you know to be outside more active. You mentioned biking and running. Uh, you know, the running industry obviously now that everybody is somewhat open, um, people are coming in the in the store at Dave's. I I can tell you firsthand and buying shoes and droves, but. I know for a fact that there's a shortage of bikes in the country. Yeah. Um, so people are being more active. And, you know, on the flip side of that, being in the time, uh, you know, what we're going through right now with the pandemic, um, all the major fireworks shows were canceled this year, you know, in all the big cities and all the, all the communities, I should say. Um, so ironically, Kelly and I were on vacation and we were flying home from out west on the night of the 4th into the morning in, of the 5th. So when we landed, we landed at... I don't know five six o'clock in the morning in Detroit and drove back back here home to Toledo, um, and we noticed that it was super foggy that morning and I didn't didn't it didn't register. We were just driving through our area of town um, and it seemed super foggy and hazy and it wasn't terribly hot that morning to, to my recollection. But we got home, we were wiped out, we went to sleep, we got up and. Then it dawned on us, or I think Kelly actually read something it said that was the smoke that was still lingering from everybody shooting fireworks. So my question is why I told you that probably boring story to you. But the point is, um, did you see an increase in injuries just with people shooting their own fireworks? Because from what everybody said here, the show was absolutely amazing. If you walked outside, it looked like you were standing in the middle of the fireworks, much less a, a show, you know.
0: Right. We were definitely very concerned. And we did a lot of um, information through different sources to t- tell people how dangerous shooting off your own fireworks is. And we did um, do a big media campaign about that, um, trying to decrease. Um, I know because people were disappointed, like not having the fireworks show to go to. Um, they wanted to do it themselves. But there are so many risks, um, especially, you know, when you're getting together for Fourth of July and, you know, the person who's drinking too much decides to light off the fireworks. All sorts of bad things happen yeah, exactly. in that kind of scenario. So we, we really pushed to um, have people think about it. And if they were going to, and I hesitated, you know, promoting that, like, if you are going to, here are the safety measures that you should take, because we knew people were going to be doing that themselves.
1: You know, when we, were, we were out of town, like I said, but we were still connected to social media and stuff. And you could just see, like everywhere in the country it didn't it wasn't i'm just not just referring to toledo but there were long lines at the fireworks stores and, yeah. and people were you know wanted to celebrate and i understand and um you know no pun intended people wanted to blow off some steam and you know just you're used to being out and being around typically thousands of people and seeing a nice fireworks display and having to cook out or if it's yeah. having a few cocktails with your friends or family whatever um you know so i understand and i'm sure that alcohol plays an increased risk in a lot of other injuries as yes. well but yeah. um you know you mentioned biking and running and things like that is there a percentage or is there a, a majority of the stuff that you guys would see coming through you know let's say the er on an on, on an injury basis not necessarily um, you know, a gunshot or, or you know, a, a major accident, but like a an accident?
0: Okay. So we, we split it down to the different age groups, right? So we're looking at, so that's how we know to focus our um, education. So we look at each age group, what is their top three reasons for injuries? And then we focus um, teaching and things like that. So when you mentioned pools, um, drowning is the number one cause of death for kids one to four, but it's in the top three for ages five to nine and 10 to 14. So we focus a lot on um, water safety. And this year has been very concerning because like you said, public pools, have most of them are closed. And um, with public pools, you have lifeguards, you have all sorts of safety measures in place. And when we're talking about someone's backyard, um, not as many safety measures are in place. So we did see an increase, if you tried to buy a pool, starting probably in May it was really hard to even find something to purchase and everyone wanted something for their kids to do and I I'm in the same boat like I don't want my kids sitting and playing on an iPad I want them to be active so you know we're looking for things to do but with that comes like do you have rules in place like is someone watching um, your child we drownings aren't like what people think. They think that someone's splashing, screaming, yelling. A lot of times it's silent and it happens when people are sitting right there. So we really urge parents to have a designated person. Like if kids have friends over and some people are in the pool, one person should be sitting there watching the kids without their foot, because it it happens quickly and it's such a tragedy. So we wanna make sure People are thinking about that and making sure that um, they're not leaving things in the pool that would attract other kids in the neighborhood to come over because then they could accidentally fall. You know, if you're in um, town, you need, there's ordinances and things that you have to have fencing around your pool. So just really educating um, the population because we need to um, just, it's just one little thing that can happen that can change the rest of your life. And we want to keep that, those things from happening.
1: And I got to, man, I mean, I- obviously with all the things that you deal with all the injuries and the trauma, it's all preventable. I get it. But you know, you, you touched on a good point there that like, you know, pool drownings um, it doesn't just happen at in, in our backyard or your backyard or anybody's backyard. It can happen at the YMCA. It could happen at, um, you know, especially if you know, water temperature is different. You've come in from the outside, you're super hot. Um, you know, I know that there's a shock to the system a lot when you're super hot and you jump in a pool and it's cold. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to me when you bring that up or you talk about it just from the simple fact that, um, you know, people just don't understand like how preventable a lot of this stuff is. So, um, that's why I'm glad that you're on today and we're just kind of talking, you know, talking through a bunch of different stuff, but, um, biking and running, obviously I know the, the smart one. Uh, for biking is wear a helmet, just, just wear a helmet, whether you think you look dorky or not, just wear a helmet. Um, You know, from a running standpoint, we had, we had Todd Williams on a few weeks back and he teaches uh, a run safer program because there was a runner attacked earlier this year um, in one of the parks here locally. And it happens, it happens every year um, all over the country. I mean, quite honestly, it's, it's, I think I read a statistic one time, like 80% of female runners at one point will feel, threatened or be attacked if they're running alone, um, which is a staggering, obviously, revelation when you hear that 80%, um, you know, but what are some things that people can do not so much from getting attacked, but from just common sense and preventing injuries that you guys see and that you have to educate the public on?
0: So we we see a lot. I know people, I know I should wear a helmet. A lot of people, when you work in injury prevention, I hear this so much, people will say, I didn't wear a helmet when I was young, and I turned out just fine. Or I didn't do this, and it and it. The fact is, like we've learned, so there people didn't survive, or people were severely injured, and now we want to prevent that from happening again. So maybe you were fine, but a lot of other people weren't. So what can we do? We know that bike helmets um, decrease your risk of fatality by seventy five percent. So if everyone just puts a helmet on, and it it doesn't have to be. Um, a weird thing if it's just normal like you get on your bike for my kids get on your bike your helmet's hanging there you have to put on your helmet and i am to be honest my i have a 14 um, year old son who just this year because i was always like well, my son doesn't say anything to me he's giving me some grief and um about wearing a helmet so i you know i have tons of statistics and tons of information that you know he gets all the time so it's just It's something that we can do. We need to model good behavior for our kids because if we're telling our kids not to, or they they need to wear a helmet and you're not, or you shouldn't text and drive and you are, and all these things, they do what we do. So I think big is modeling behavior, putting a helmet on. Um, But also talking, um, when we're talking about bike safety, we have seen a lot of families, you know, wanting to find other things to do. So let's all go on a bike ride. Our younger kiddos need to practice first like they might not be um, able to you know ride on a on a small path and not swerve back and forth they need a little bit and you go in the like a big parking lot or a sidewalk in practice um, biking and trying to stay straight because they're you know their head turns their body turns and then also judging distance for traffic um, studies show that you know all kids are different but it's it's around until age 10 that kids are able to judge the speed of traffic so they may think they can cross the road or on their bike because that car's far away, but they don't really have that ability till at least the age of ten. And like I said, all kids are different. So see how your um, kids are and like you know testing to see like are, are they able to do that? Because my my ten year old is much different than my older son. I still he says he looks you know I'll look both ways, but he gets very distracted, so he's not quite ready to to be biking um, on a you know busy road anytime anytime soon so just you know your child and and even though it sounds fun to go on a big ride make sure your kids are ready for that because you can cause you know harm to them or also other people on the bike path because if they're swerving everywhere they're not paying attention to others
1: and i've always been taught and you know back when i um you know i did a bunch of uh triathlon long distance races when i was a little younger um i always was taught you ride with traffic you run against traffic Yes. Um, and, and I know I know you're going to say this, and I don't mean to steal your thunder here, but um, you know, people, I just don't think people, like we talked about the bike charge. people went out and bought bikes, let's have a, as a family or, you know, just a, a adult couples or whatever that are going out and going through the neighborhood and riding. Um, I just don't think that people that aren't used to being on a bike with traffic around them don't realize that it's a habit. You do it. I do it. Um, every adult I know does it is when you pull up to a stop sign in a neighborhood, you automatically, that's a rolling stop. It's like an unspoken rule that you're not stopping slowly or stopping completely and looking, they roll through. And if you're coming at them on that side of the road, they're going to, you're going to run right into the car. You're going to hit them before they even know that you're coming. Um, is that correct? I mean, is that something that you guys emphasize?
0: Yes, we, we emphasize it, you get people, I hear people a lot say, well, pedestrians have the right of way or this. We still have to assume that people aren't looking at you. And that's what we teach a lot to everyone, like pay attention. You have to be so vigilant when you're on your bike. Like, yes, you may be right, but when you're on a bike and that person's in a really heavy, large car, you're not going to win. Yeah. So we need to make sure you're staying vigilant. Same thing with, um, we talk to kids about crossing the street. We really urge, like, yes, pedestrians have the right of way in a crosswalk. And when that, you know, their light is red, they should not be going. But how many times have you seen someone texting at a light and then look up and they think, oh, I need to go. They're not looking at you. So we always tell kids, make sure you make eye contact with that driver first. Make sure they see you and then cross the street. And the same thing on bikes. Like I, or running, when I run on the road, um, I'm always making eye contact with that driver and I get over because I can tell if they see me or not. And I get way over and half the time they they jerk the other way, like right before me, because they're either daydreaming or texting or something is happening. So just um but I do see a lot of people on walking who think they are they should be in the same direction like bikes. Yeah. But I did want to talk about that because they need to be um opposite direction so they can you can make eye contact and they can see you.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I've always used the analogy. There's no, there's no scenario where car versus bike, bike wins. There's just not, um, or runner versus car or bike that runner wins. Um, you know, so, I mean, that that's, you, you would think that that's common sense, but I have to imagine that you guys have people sitting in the ER every week, at least one, uh, of, a, of a bike accident or things like that. You know, I, I was unfortunately during my training, I was getting ready to do, um, that's a number of years back now, but I was getting ready to do uh, two Ironmans in the same year, and I was hit by a dog that somebody had out in the yard uh, that they had loose running in the yard. And we were out on we were out west of Toledo, out kind of on a county highway, um, riding in a. There was three of us riding in a group, and the dog ran out from behind the house, and I didn't have time to react. I was in the arrow position, and it hit me and launched me off the bike. And technically, it launched me into oncoming traffic on an open highway. I mean, I, there was no chance I was going to win if there would have been a car coming. Um, but even with the precaution of wearing the helmet, being a, being alert, like things just pop out of nowhere. Um, and it just, you know, I, I can't imagine the stuff that, you know, having worked in a hospital setting for a fair amount of years um, when I was working in medical, I, I saw a lot of bad things just in my time. I can't imagine what you guys see on a, on a you know, daily basis, weekly basis, whatever. Um, you know, if when you do your talks and your education programs, I want to get to that, but what are, what are two or three of the main things that you tell people to focus on? I mean, I know common sense has got to be up there. It's a, towards the top, but sometimes my definition of common sense isn't your definition of common sense. So, um, and I'm not using me as an example. I'm just <laughs> stating that, um, you know, what are some of the, what are the, like the three most common things that you make sure that you, add to all your talks
0: i guess it depends on your your audience right so it depends on what age group that we're um we're talking to you know the 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 biggest thing is being aware of your surroundings i think that's really really important if you we i talk to people about if they feel unsafe in a situation then you always should go with your gut feeling i'm a big believer in that and if something doesn't seem right you need to to get out of that situation but the other thing is like you mentioned um People say, you know, you can't prevent everything from happening. And no, we can't prevent everything, but we can look at like your dog scenario. You couldn't keep that dog from running at you, but you decreased your risk of severe injury by wearing a helmet, Um, you know, like whatever protective gear you had on when you were riding. And luckily another car wasn't coming. So no, we can't always um, prevent everything, but we can do things, take steps before you leave your house or you are going to go do um whatever it is you're going to go do, think, how can I make sure, like, decrease my chances of getting severely injured? Because that's what's going to keep you from being able to do all the things you enjoy, or working, you know, or whatever it is that you, you know, you provide for your family, you don't want to get injured and not be able to work for months and months and months because of an injury. So those, no matter what topic we're talking about, um, are things that um, we stress um, and then it just depends on like what we're talking about, little kids versus, you know, older adults.
1: Sure, um, sure.
0: A, a lot of times with our senior population, um, they, I love going to talks with them. They have so much knowledge and they like to share that information with you. But you got to sneak in like little safety things and they're like, oh yeah, good point. I Maybe I shouldn't be getting on a seven foot ladder with no one home while I'm on, you know, this medication to make my blood thin. Like you do have a good point It's like, yeah we just need to to, you know make sure we're taking precautions because um yes you can still do those things but maybe modify them or have someone else do them or take other safety steps so you don't end up um severely injured
1: and you mentioned you made mention of the fact that you know it depends on your audience in your terms of you're telling your top three reminders so to speak Um, your audience do you guys go to your audience do you have these talks around town do you host them at the hospitals um, tell us a little bit about the classes that you offer and how people okay. can, can get involved.
0: So things are a little different right now, of course, with um, COVID uh, and everything and all the restrictions. So I have, I was struggling this year because usually in the summer I am out and about doing all sorts of things. So we usually go to our, um, our audiences. So safety cities are a huge thing that we go to providing all sorts of education, all sorts of community people come together to provide that information. And they have been canceled this year because of the risks of um, getting people together in, in large groups. So we've had to make some modification and send out some like virtual education and things like that. Um, but we, you know, safety cities, We um, I go to senior centers and do talks all the time on different topics. Um, Stop the Bleed is a program that we've been um, going out and teaching. It's it's a really great program and it kind of you know hits upon all these topics because if you were with someone who has a life-threatening bleeding um what can you do as a as a bystander until help gets there so we take that out we have people do um, stations with that um we go to we've been going to schools community centers all sorts of things so they just need to um all of our education is free and um because it's part of us being a trauma center we want to um, help people and prevent these things from happening. So um, we, yeah, we, we come to people, we do small groups, big groups. Um, it's a really fun part of my job and I've been missing getting to do the face-to-face with everybody.
1: I can imagine, I can imagine. I, I mean, I guess understand that you being sort of on the front lines of, of COVID, being in the hospital and stuff like that, um, you obviously probably, you see a lot worse than we all even know and hear on the news or see on the news and, and whatnot. Um, but I guess my message to you would be just hang in there and, and be as positive as you can possibly be on a daily basis. It can't be fun going in there and and being surrounded by, um, all the bad that's happening because of this. And, and, you know, equating COVID-19 to bike safety, I don't mean to do this and and minimize either of them. Um, but wearing a helmet is, is as simple as wearing a mask, you know, and, um, I too have, you know, my job has been affected in terms of some of the stuff that I do um, in terms of interacting with other runners and being with people. Uh, and it's, it's frustrating from that standpoint. It's even more frustrating when you see people not using common sense. Um, and I'm not into a political debate about masks or no masks. And, I, and I'm pretty sure I know where you would stand on that debate anyway, um, in line with me. Uh, but, you know, it's just the common sense, I, I think it is great to have you on today and just kind of talk about you know, people using their using their noggins and, and just, you know, making simple decisions that we think are simple that some people just take for granted. And um, I thought it was important to have you on because it is summer uh, and people are out and, you know, people are, everybody has cabin fever right now. Like we, we all want to be outside. We all want to be able to live our lives exactly how we lived them in 2019 summer and 2018. And, and whatnot. But, um, you know, we have to make some, we have to make some sacrifices and some of that comes with, um, you know, common sense, I think. And, and um, so thank you so much for being on today. Um, I would love to get you on or maybe do something with one of the classes when we get back into a classroom setting and you have actual, actual class, people in a class rather than like on a zoom meeting, like how we're, we're doing this interview today. Um, but I think it would be great if we could do that and do some, you know, record some of it and throw it up on, online and, and obviously promote what you do, but, you know, kind of get the word out as well and get more people involved, especially the young people, um, to just teach them some common sense safety tips.
0: That'd be great. I would love that. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you again. I, I appreciate uh, everybody. Nicole Napper, the Trauma and Burn Education Outreach Prevention Coordinator at Mercy uh, was our guest. So please, um, you know, keep your eyes and ears open for the classes that they offer. And I'll, I'm going to put a link up. I'm, I'm going to talk to you when we get off the air here, Nicole, and I'll put some information up so they can find you guys a little more easily uh, for anything that you list or want to, to show and share with the public. I'd like to thank my sponsors, Joni over at 3D Wellness. Check her out over on Central Avenue. They're doing some great things to help keep your body in alignment and moving. Uh, I want to thank State Farm Agent Julie Span Johnson in downtown Perrysburg. She does a great job uh, taking care of everybody in the community and Gym Pool Health. So. By all means, uh, get on Gym Pool Health if you want to listen to some past episodes, if you want to set up an appointment, talk about your health insurance, life insurance, anything I can do to help you. And uh, again, until I talk to you guys, I appreciate you hanging out with us this week. Um, Get up, get motivated, stay safe, look out for each other. Please wear your masks and get moving, Toledo.
0: Are you still waiting to see if you'll get into the nursing program at the community college? Don't wait! You can work side-by-side with doctors and nurses as a surgical technician. Brookline College in Tucson can prepare you for a surgical technician career in less than two years. You'll play an important role assisting surgeons as they perform procedures. Join the healthcare team sooner as a surge tech. Start now online and come to campus later for labs. Contact brooklinecollege.edu.